What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every other day at the moment as we continue to navigate this NHL offseason. I'm your host, Ian McLaren. Today is Friday, November the 6th on the podcast. I will be joined in a few minutes by Lauren Kelly. She's a digital video producer for Sportsnet. She does some OHL scouting for Elite Prospects, writes for Raw Charge, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning's SB Nation page, as well as some other outlets. And I was pleased to be joined by her to discuss some Bruins prospects uh, like Zach Sinitian, Jacobs Borrell, Jack Sednica, and also Boston's uh, recent bias in drafting towards American and European born players outside of the CHL. So very great chat and I'm very excited to bring that to you here in a moment. Before we get to that, let me remind you that the podcast is available on Pocket Casts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts basically. If you could kindly subscribe Each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to listen and enjoy. If you could also leave a rating and a review, that would be so very much appreciated, especially you Apple users. If you're on social media, you can find the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. We're also on Instagram at Locked On Boston Bruins. If you'd like to follow me, it's at Ian C. McLaren on both Twitter and Instagram. Before we get to my chat with Lauren, I wanted to mention a couple news items from around the NHL. It looks as though the Florida Panthers and Mackenzie Wieger are set to agree on a new three-year contract. I mention this because he was apparently a target for the Boston Bruins on the blue line uh, in an attempt to improve the left side with the hole left by Tori Krug and also potentially by Zdeno Chara. But Mackenzie Wieger looks like he's going to avoid arbitration and sign a new three-year contract with the Florida Panthers, which is uh, kind of disappointing as he was a very tantalizing uh, potential pickup for the Boston Bruins if he and the Panthers could not come to an agreement. In other RFA news... The New York Rangers signed Ryan Strom to a two-year, $9 million contract. It's a nice raise for Strom over the $3.1 million AAV he had on his last contract. Strom, of course, was selected very high in the 2011 draft, fifth overall, and you know had a bit of an up-and-down career, but he really broke out last season with a 59-point Uh, effort through 70 games with the Rangers, 18 goals, 41 assists. Now, I mentioned Strom because while it's not a perfect comparison for DeBrusque, Strom is older, plays a different position. The fact that he settled with the Rangers for uh, two years and $4.5 million hopefully bodes well for a similar bridge deal for DeBrusque. His production was... Uh, lower than Strom's last year. Again, he doesn't play the same position, uh, and they have different strengths. But, you know, if Strom wasn't able to parlay his 59-point season last year into a long-term deal with the Rangers, then uh, it perhaps bodes well for the Bruins to uh, sign DeBrusque to a lower-term, lower AAV contract. 
here in the next uh, weeks or, I don't know, even months, uh, however long it takes for the uh, two sides to work it out. Just another note on Uyghur, it's a three-year deal at $3.25 million, which is a great contract for the Panthers, to be sure. Not too much else going on out there in terms of Bruins news. I'll keep you posted if anything breaks, so do follow at LO underscore Boston Bruins for that. Before I get to my conversation with Lauren Kelly, let me talk for a moment about Built Go. Built Go is an exciting new product from the makers of Built Bar, and it's basically a energy boost for you to get through that mental or physical wall that we all hit at some point during the workday. It comes in easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, so you can carry it around in your briefcase, your work bag, your golf bag even, and it's the best workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy boost without the same crash that comes with leading alternatives, and there are three delicious flavors for you to consume. Peanut butter honey is my favorite, but you can also get chocolate coconut or chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. It's loaded with good stuff to ignite your workday or your workout, like beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, so it also makes you look better as well as feel better. Now, if you go to BuiltGo.com right now and use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right. I am pleased to be joined on the podcast today by Lauren Kelly. She uh, does digital video work for Sportsnet, uh, some OHL scouting for Elite Prospects, as well as some other hockey outlets, and uh, wanted to have her on the podcast to talk about uh, some Bruins prospects and some other things as well. So thanks so much, Lauren, for, for taking the time to chat. How are you doing today? I'm good, Ian. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Um, so yeah, I usually like to to begin whenever someone comes on the podcast and just ask about kind of your hockey origin story. How did you get into the sport? How did you get into kind of covering prospects? Uh, how did that all come about? Sure. So um, growing up, I guess, you know, just coming from an Asian family, um, Hockey wasn't on our television screens growing up. Um, there were other sports, you know, we watched soccer, we watched golf and other things, but it was never hockey until about the 2010 Olympics. And that's sort okay. of when I started watching it more consistently. And uh, basically Canada winning gold was how I got really invested in hockey and I would go back and I would want to watch, you know, all the players and the teams and how they got into the NHL. And so it kind of, took that team and started going backwards. And so what really got me into that was um, Jonathan Taves in his 2007 World Junior Shootout uh, performance in the semifinals. Yeah, Yeah, that was uh, a big turning point for me. I was like, I love this. This is a great (laughs) tournament. And I just started watching as much as I could on YouTube, um, anything that was on television. And that's sort of how I got into junior hockey uh, and discovered that oh, there was a whole other world besides the NHL that I had no idea about prior to that. Very cool. Is there a, a junior team that you've watched more closely or like just due to proximity or uh, just um, any junior? Yeah. So uh, my two favorite junior teams uh, 
there's one in the queue and one in WHL. I love the Halifax Moose Heads uh, and I love the Moose Jaw Warriors. Um, it's strange because I live in Ontario, but I don't necessarily yeah. have a favorite OHL team. Um, but uh-huh. I enjoy watching any junior hockey that I can get my hands on. Very cool. Yeah, I, I love it too. I'm based in Guelph, so um, obviously big Storm fan, and I had a chance to cover the the 2019 championship and actually be at the game when they when they won, which was which was really awesome as well. So yeah, I, I love junior hockey too, and always um, like rooting interests for players that come through Guelph and, and make it to the NHL. Always love following their progress and uh seeing where they end up so yeah junior hockey is uh, is really special and i do hope that there's some uh some this year i guess while we're kind of talking about that what are your thoughts on the the whole idea of junior hockey coming back but with no body checking do you think that's kind of just a, a front for the government that they're kind of just bluffing or or just posturing or do you think that's actually something that could happen and how would it affect the game do you think I just, I don't think it's realistic. I mean, the idea of body checking and maybe having that have something to do with spreading the virus or anything. I mean, body check contact is only realistically like one second, maybe two at most. Um, I think players spend a lot more time face-to-face taking face-offs and that would be a more potential cause for concern in my case of how you you could potentially spread the virus um, through teams. So I, I just don't think that there is, you know, a point to kind of saying, well, you can't have body checking if you want to start the OHL this season. It just doesn't make sense to me logically. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that will end up being the case. And hopefully there's at least, you know, people allowed in the building to watch at, and in some ways because it would be sad not to be able to watch it this year since it's not widely available on TV, I guess, unless you get the, the OHL package but yeah it'd be nice to go down to the rink for sure to watch some games oh yeah for sure and yeah it's hard to imagine any uh, a lot of teams being able to sustain play without having that gate revenue so it'll be interesting to see how things go next winter yeah definitely um so yeah one of the main reasons i wanted to have you on the podcast was to talk about some bruins prospects who came up through the OHL and um, it's a huge point of discussion in Bruins fandom, always looking back at the 2015 NHL draft, um, discussing what the Bruins ended up doing that day, discussing what could have been uh, from the draft, uh, but past and the Bruins are, I guess, "Quote unquote," stuck with Jake DeBrusque, who's turned out pretty good, but also um, Jacob's Borel, as well as uh, Zach Sanishin, who both came up through the CHL. Borel in the Q uh, with the St. John Sea Dogs, and then Sanishin in the OHL with the the Sioux Greyhounds. Um, both of those players recently signed uh, two-year deals at you know minimal pay. I think seven hundred thousand dollar range at the nhl level um i'll start with jacobs borrell because he will probably have more of an opportunity to crack the roster this year with the departure of tory krug and some uncertainty about whether zadino chara will be back on the roster 
Um, drafted 13th overall in 2015, a left-hand shot. Um, people who watched the Providence Bruins closely last year saw a lot of promise in him, but I'm um, just wondering if you could talk a bit about Jacobs Borrell, kind of what, what you know about him and, and what his prospects might be at, at becoming a, a legit NHL defenseman. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I do feel bad for both of these players because they were kind <laughs> of put in positions like by the Bruins, you know, um, placed, they had unrealistic expectations placed on them. And, you know, especially in Zboril's case, you know, defensemen just take longer to develop and mm-hmm. he's not going to turn into Thomas Shabbat overnight. That's not really his <laughs> uh, playing style. Um, but I think there's a lot of reason to remain optimistic with him. You know, it's been six years since their draft year, but, you know, Zboril's still only 23. Um, mm. He was one of Providence's best defenders last season. And I think, you know, with the uncertainty of Chara's situation and the fact that Tori Krug is gone, um, there is a legitimate opportunity for Zboril to make the jump to the Bruins whenever next season does begin. And I know that there's a lot of depth defensemen that will be battling for those open positions, depending on how many there are. Um, but I don't think he's too far away from making the NHL. And I think, you know, he projects to be kind of that middle pair kind of um, stay at home, if that even exists anymore, the stay at home defenseman kind of role. Uh, he's kind of one of those jack of all trades players. He doesn't excel very well in one area, but he's kind of very a well-rounded player in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah, certainly, certainly pretty encouraging. And I think, yeah, he probably, I mean, he could have a, a shot at playing on the, the second pairing because the main player right now who's for sure the top left-hand defenseman is Matt Grizzlick. And then after that, it's kind of a, a crapshoot. So he certainly will have an opportunity to prove that he's capable of being perhaps even a, a second pair defenseman, which might be a bit scary for Bruins fans, but um, yeah, it's, I think there's definitely that potential there for sure. Let's talk for a moment about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter, double chocolate, salted caramel, just to name a few. They're covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. But lest you think it's an indulgence, you should know that it's great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while enjoying these treats. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and again, just great for those of us looking for a healthy uh, treat. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Now with Sinitian, he did play a handful of games for the Bruins last season, and um I was pretty encouraged actually by how he was able to uh, fit in and perform pretty well at both ends of the ice, uh, kind of in a lesser role on the third line. Um, They do have a lot of depth right now on the right side after having brought in Andre Kasha and uh, Craig Smith as well. So he's going to be in tough to, yeah, crack the lineup. Um, But I don't think... I'm not prepared at this point to kind of write him off as as a bust or as a guy who can't play in the NHL. I think he does have 
some some pretty significant skills in terms of speed and um he has really worked on his defensive game uh, as well what what are your impressions of of Sinitian and and Shabruins fans kind of still be holding out some hope that that he'll be something or is he kind of maybe just a, a career NHLer at this point um Sinitian is interesting because you know, the, you mentioned that there is that significant depth on the right side for the Bruins forwards. Um, but, you know, I think it's probably the worst timing for him to be trying to make the Bruins full time just because of the uncertainty I with hear. when next season's going to start. Um, it might, we like, honestly, probably I see him starting in the AHL whenever that league starts okay. up and probably being a back and forth call up. Um, I do think that, you know, he's shown some improvement last season, you know, he's earned praises from his head coaches. Um, I'm just not sure that we're looking at him being able to come in and to, uh, have regular NHL duty next season. Um, I know the Bruins have invested a lot in him. Um, they clearly see something in him that was worth taking him in the first round. Um, so I think yeah. they're willing to give him the chance if the opportunity presents itself. But I think he also has to take that step forward and prove that he can be a consistent producer and be effective in the opportunities that he has. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that by the time he's probably able to battle for a consistent bottom six role in the Bruins lineup, they might have other younger prospects coming in trying to fight for those spots as well. You know, you look at someone who like Jakob Forsbacka Carlson or even Curtis Hall and John Beecher. I just think it might be a couple more seasons before we see him with the Bruins consistently, if he even makes it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that point they could be, I don't know, full rebuild mode, but it, certainly in two or three years, the team could look a lot different than it does now. And then maybe, yeah, just by the fact that they're, forced into a bit of a rebuild or a retool that he might get more of a chance then. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, the um, playing time might be pretty minimal for him at the NHL level, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I am somewhat encouraged that he could be something at some point. You mentioned some of the other prospects coming up and one of them that Bruins fans are really high on uh, and he was there last OHL pick um, that they've made, and we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, Jack Stanika came up and played in the playoffs this year. Uh, Bruins fans are very high on him. I, I'm pretty high on him as a not a, not necessarily a, a building block for the future, but certainly uh, someone who could be a significant player for the team in years to come. Is that uh, maybe being a bit too optimistic, or, or is there reason to believe that he could be? Um, something special um I'm actually pretty optimistic on Stanika as well I mean I think if you just solely look at his production in the AHL last season and compare it to his peers so um, players who are three years removed from the NHL draft uh, you know he was generating a significant amount of his points at even strength especially his primary points he was outproducing mm-hmm. you know players in, in his age group like Gabe Velarde and Morgan Frost at even strength and he was tied fourth for even strength pro- primary point production amongst his age group in the AHL last season so i think that in and of itself even though he maybe wasn't putting up the points of you know Alex Formanton or Josh Norris that's still pretty promising and really encouraging 
Um, but because I think the Bruins are still pretty deep down the middle of the ice, you know, you got Bergeron, you got Krejci, you got Charlie Coyle. Um, I think if Stanika does get a chance to make the Bruins next season, we'll probably see him on the wing. I think with that being said, I don't necessarily see him to start the team next season, especially with so many things in flux right now. I think if the NHL season had started in a normal year back in October, Stidnika has earned the opportunity to try and stick with the Bruins. But because of the uncertainty with when the NHL and AHL seasons are going to start next winter, it might be within the organization's best interest to let him go back to the AHL and get back into the swing of things, get adjusted to where he's comfortable and had significant success before kind of calling him back up and seeing what he can bring to the table. But I think down the road, I definitely see him, especially as the Bruins centers get older and, you know, they're maybe not as effective. I think I see him filling that second or third line role role in Boston. I think he's a player who can contribute and thrive on both special teams. He's a great shorthanded player. And I see him putting up at least 35 to 40 points a season. I think he can be a really, really good player for the Bruins down the road. Mm. Yeah, I like I like to hear that for sure. And with David Krejci becoming – he'll be an unrestricted free agent at the end of whenever this next season happens. So, you know, if he decides to move on or the Bruins decide to move on, then, yeah, it's possible that we could have a Bergeron, Coyle, Stanika down the middle as early as – I guess, 2021, 2022, which, which wouldn't be so bad, I guess. Although David Krejci, I wouldn't want to see him leave necessarily, but um, you know, who knows what'll happen with, with revenue and the cap and all that uh, because of, of COVID-19. Now I mentioned that um, Stanika, he was drafted 2017 and um, the Bruins also that year drafted a couple other players from the CHL, but, 2018, 2019, and just last month, uh, the Bruins passed over all players from Canadian hockey and decided to go with either American-born players or um, Europeans in the draft. And a lot of eyebrows have been raised about that um, and people wondering, you know, why it is the Bruins have passed over these uh, CHL players, whether it's a kind of uh, a philosophical decision, whether they see the benefits of drafting guys who are local or committed to local area colleges. And I was just kind of wondering if you had any, uh, I don't know, insight or any kind of thoughts on why the Bruins might be going down that path and what the benefits would be of focusing on American-born players or or Europeans instead of um, the CHO is is that something that happened or is it uh, the Bruins kind of trying something new here and seeing seeing if it pays off kind of what are your thoughts on on that uh, point of view from the Bruins perspective sure so this is actually funny because I was discussing um, this sort of exact scenario with the team at Raw Charge last week, but about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they have okay. avoided OHL players like the plague since 2016. <clears throat> and they took three players out of the OHL in that draft and have only taken one since, and that was this year. So I don't know necessarily if it's that they prefer, you know, the American developed players, the European developed players, or if and if it's a knock against the CHL, or if 
about the CHL's development process or if there is maybe something in the water with the CHL that turns scouts management off of players in those leagues you know it's just speculation at this point but you know when the Bruins do decide to take players out of the OHL they have had pretty good success you know Sinitian aside you know you look at Stadika, <clears throat> DeBrusque, um, uh, even Jeremy Lozon, uh, he's he's turned mm-hmm. out into a really good player too. And so maybe, I don't know, this is just me speculating, but in the Bruins' case, they kind of looked at that 2015 first round where they took all three of those first rounders out of the CHL, uh, took a ton of heat for it, and maybe decided to focus their attentions elsewhere. Um, it is pretty interesting. I just, I don't know if... Um, you know, in the 2017 draft, they also did take Cedric Perry out of the queue, but mm-hmm. they let his draft rights expire. They just didn't, uh, so that he could re-enter the draft. And as far as I know, I don't know if he's signed with any other NHL team, but I just, uh, I think it's really interesting. I don't really have any answers. You know, it's just seems to be... Um, I'm always intrigued by, you know, the trends that certain teams seem to follow at the draft. So I wonder if it's something that continues for the Bruins that would seem to indicate that they're fairly turned off of players from those leagues. Or maybe Mm -hmm. if they just didn't really view the CHL leagues as strong producers of talent in the last couple of drafts, you know, when depending on where they were drafting. Yeah, it's it's really weird. They did... uh, uh, Russian defenseman Roman Bichkov. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he... Is, uh, or the Guelph Storm actually have his OHL right, so I was really hoping that he would come over and play here last year just so I could watch him a bit closer. But uh, I guess he decided to stay stay in Russia, and I'm not sure if he'll end up coming over. But yeah, really weird, and I guess we'll have to wait and see till the 2021 draft to see if the Bruins go back to to some OHL or CHL guys. But yeah, it's it's really interesting for sure. In the meantime. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for, for all that insight. Before I let you go, I usually ask people as well, um, since there is no hockey on right now, kind of how you're, you're keeping busy. Are you, are you watching old games? Are you watching something on Netflix? Do you have any show recommendations or are you pretty busy still with, with, uh, tracking prospects and things like that? Yeah, the the prospect grind keeps me a little bit busy. You know, um, yeah. I I do work a lot at Sportsnet as well, uh, long yep. hours. But uh, you know, I'm just really grateful to still be able to cover sports in these unprecedented mm-hmm. times. So I can't complain at all. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been pretty interesting, and with not knowing mm-hmm. exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I guess one last question before I let you go. Uh, speaking of hockey, that will happen. Uh, the World Juniors is is scheduled for the same time this year. Uh, I will actually no, it's going to start on Christmas Day this year instead of Boxing Day uh, in Edmonton. Uh, do you have any early outlooks on on which countries might be most in line for for a medal? It, would Canada the clear favorite, and uh, where might the USA fit into that this year? Sure. Um, I definitely think Canada's in medal contention this year. I think getting Kirby Doc from Chicago is a big boost to their lineup. Um, as mm-hmm. for the Americans, I think, you know, it could be really interesting if New Jersey decides to loan Jack Hughes back to the tournament because he hasn't had right. 
some su- he hasn't had a lot of success at this tournament whereas you know mm-hmm. someone like Alexi Lafreniere he's won gold it makes sense that you know the Rangers would decide to you know not lend or loan him to the tournament but if the Americans get Jack Hughes back I think it kind of turns the entire tournament on its head and it gets mm-hmm. really interesting because that's a huge boost for the United States yeah, for sure. And Bruins fans will be watching for see how John Beecher's playing in that tournament as well. He's, I believe, projected to to make the team, and it would be nice to to be able to watch him on that big stage as well. So yeah, Lauren, before I let you go, uh, where can people find uh, find your hockey stuff? Where can people find you on on Twitter? Sure. Um, I, my handle is at laurakelly24. Um, you can find my uh, stuff at Elite Prospects, Raw Charge, um, FC Hockey, um, and that's pretty much it.